The button has been pushed. Commencing podcast now. I want a bat belt. Welcome to Pop Tech Jam, the independent audio magazine about consumer technology, pop culture, life, and literally cruising through space in a hot ride. I'm nice. J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. On this week's show, we've got tech headlines galore, and I have advice for finding movies and TV shows that are accessible to the blind and those with limited vision. I love that. I love yes. it. Galore. Galore. Uh, we don't just have tech headlines. Yes. We have tech headlines galore. Galore, yes. That's a great word. Yes. I love that Buku word. Buku tech headlines. Buku tech headlines. Before we get started. Yes. I don't know if you're going to mention this in your news items, but there was a, a there's been a, a bit of a, uh, a kerfuffle in the Star Wars fandom. Oh, really? Uh, what, book, what are they angry well, about comic now? comic book resources. Well, it's not so much anger. It's just... Comic Book Resources, which is a website that, you know, uh, is a it's resources for comic book right. and But it's a pop culture, yeah. you know, geek yeah, culture. Yeah, I, I, I read them every uh, Right. Yeah. They posted this uh, article about how they feel it's about time there was a Star Wars R rated movie, and it's riffing off the two showrunners of Game of Thrones, supposedly doing a trilogy of uh-huh. films based in the Star Wars universe and all that stuff. And the argument is that, you know, it's about time we had. Darker stories and all that stuff. I'm like, did you guys not see Rogue One? Yeah. Rogue One was dark. Yeah. I mean, it did not have a lot of, you know, the booty calls and the cursing. Right. Yeah, exactly. There were no gratuitous rape scenes. Mm -hmm. There wasn't Monty Python style blood spurting or a saw violence porn. And it was dark. It was so dark. I have yet to let my kids see that yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically a World War II movie. It is. Um, it is. So, uh, and you know, I hate to spoil it to you for, for everyone, but everybody dies. Yes. Everybody. Yes. And then- 14 months later, right, you have spoiled Rogue One. Darth Vader shows you why he's the scariest badass in the universe. Mm-hmm. So you can't tell me you can't make a dark Star Wars movie and make it PG-13. Plus, it kind of sort of goes against- the whole ethos of yeah, Star the good Wars. versus evil. Well, yeah, and is this just an excuse to get sort of topless slave girls I in there, it's or just, it's just so sexy dumb. scenes with it's just young robes? So dumb. It 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 presupposes that Game of Thrones is only good because of the violence and the the naughty bits. Yeah, no, it's just an amazingly well crafted story. It's what they call epic tale. Yes. It's like, hello, you got characters you care for. You have no idea if they're going to survive by the end of the movie. It's about storytelling, not because they're bouncing boobs on the screen. Yeah. Like, come on, man. I was so, well, maybe I'm the only fan person that's yeah. upset about this. Well, no, I, I think it would, it would sort of drive a wedge in the, the Star Wars universe because they of have course. been the traditional family-friendly films and people taking their kids there. And yeah, there's a lot of merching going on. Yes. But you get sort of a the good versus evil story, and people see how, how decisions impact the rest of the world. Right. And there's lots of beautiful special effects and creatures and, and lightsabers and things. So yeah, I don't want to have to explain why Princess Leia's taking her top off to my yeah. kid. Yeah, sorry, sorry, guy. No, I don't want to do that. Yeah, it, it just it just seems like it's it's gratuitous. Maybe this yeah. is a backlash against the Last Jedi, which I know you did not care for it as much. But there not. were some issues with people who were a long time who wanted it to be a white boy property only. Right, right. And so maybe this is the the recoil from that. Um, Let me tell you how much I did not like Last Jedi. It is the only film 
of all of them that I've seen once. Really? And that's it. One and done. One and done. I've seen Rogue One three times. Such a good movie. It is a great movie. It's kind of weird that in the middle of it, it kind of just goes, you know, you can tell it's two movies jammed together. But it still holds up as an action flick. Yeah. You know, it's a very satisfying action movie. They had a mission. And the price of admission for that Darth Vader thing, like I mentioned at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, the, okay, so the so Star Trek drops an F-bomb on you Discovery. that's why they got all jealous that, like, Star Trek was doing it yeah, on a streaming I cable? Know, I don't know, I don't know. And then you, you get some Klingon boobs. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, come on, people. It's so awkward, first of all. Oh, please. I don't want gratuitous violence and sex. In a Star Wars movie, my my advice to comic book resources: keep it in your pants. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Please like putting satanic rituals in Harry Potter or something. <laughs> yes, exactly. Anyway, shall Thank we you. do some news before your coffee Ooh. chills there? <sighs> yes, got it off your chest. Yes, there. I did. I got to wave myself down. All yeah. right. Yes, I feel Cleansing. better now. Cleansing breath. Well, Cleansing um, breath. as far as news goes, news. Uh, Tony Stark, or as everyone else calls him, Elon Musk, uh, his red Tesla Roadster with a mannequin driver named Starman dressed in a spacesuit is now in orbit out there around the sun. It's a beautiful thing. I love everything about that, Yeah, by the way. Everything about that. Yeah, the, the pictures coming back from Instagram of the car in space. Yes. Uh, the, the electric car got there for those who weren't really paying attention to what SpaceX was doing this week. Uh, got up there thanks to a boost from a rather large rocket called the Falcon Heavy that SpaceX blasted off from the same Florida launch pad NASA used to use for some of its moon missions. Wow. This was all part of a major test of rocket power for future missions to the moon and Mars and uh, also featured one of those um, landings of the reusable rocket boosters, except it was times two. It was synchronized double landing it of two of SpaceX's amazing. rocket boosters. It was so perfect that you kind of like no nah, that's got to be they, that's got to be edited come on no way they nailed it oh yeah it was totally it was like it. russian synchronized swimming oh, yeah. it was boom yep. down yep without the nose clips yes without the nose clips yeah. uh, and the whole event was gloriously streamed with beautiful graphics live on the web on february 6th when the uh launch took place we'll post a link to that clip on our show page so you too can enjoy it as the New York Times reports, once in orbit, the rocket sent back video of the spacesuit-wearing mannequin in the car with a hand on the steering wheel. On the dashboard were the words, Don't Panic, and onto Douglas Adams's book, The Hitchhiker's mm-hmm. Guide to the Galaxy. Nicely done. The spacecraft journeying through uh, Earth's Van Allen radiation belt. And uh, going farther, about seven hours after the rocket took off, Mr. Musk announced that a third and final burn had put his sports car on an elliptical orbit away from Earth and around the sun that extends beyond Mars's orbit. So people are like, why did you put a car in space? Well, he had to test this big giant rocket anyway because this is sort of a precursor to the even bigger ones that they want to build for future Mars missions. Right. And Mr. M- Mr. Musk was quoted in the Times as saying, it's kind of silly and fun, but silly and fun things are important. Yes, they are. Yeah, and I think there was even some talk, uh, and I didn't see a firm uh, clarification on it, that a uh, microcrystal inscribed version of Isaac Asimov's Foundation trilogy was also on the rocket going oh, out there. Oh, see, come on. You got to love that. Yeah. And even because you know, I, th- I think this crystal company made it uh, and sent it to him. And I don't know if it was actually in the payload of the rocket or not, but even just the concept of it, amazing. See, because in my mind, the car would just keep floating off into space. Like, uh, what was it? The, the, the Voyagers? Oh, yeah. The, the V'ger. Yeah. Right. And it'll be driving by some universe. Other aliens will mm-hmm. look at it and say, what? Those freaking Earthers, man. Yeah, God. leaving their garbage up here. The hillbillies of the universe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, they thought the Deuce of Hazard was bad. Yes, indeed. 
and I was glued to to the web. Not that oh, I'm yeah. not anyway. Yeah, but the way SpaceX has been doing their launches, where you get these multiple camera angles, timeline graphics that show you exactly what is supposed to happen, the views from the cameras on the rocket itself. So you see the angle, especially landing. You see the thing coming down onto the, the landing pads precisely. They just really got the whole uh, consumer marketing angle of the space thing down. And and NASA has upped their game quite a bit in recent years, too. They've got great social They've media, yeah. the NASA TV channel. They've been doing some stuff, too. But it's all, I think, really generating a new interest in the space program, which has kind of lagged once they got done with the space shuttle missions. And people, and people, I think, by the end of the space shuttle, because you know, the space shuttles were flying for years and years, and people kind of took them for granted. Yeah, it was sort of like, you know, there were space buses after a while. Yeah, yeah, Greyhound in the sky. And yeah. so they, people were like, whatever. And then the last one, people sort of paid attention because we weren't going to be anymore. But... The fact that there's these cool new missions, the Pluto thing, New Horizons a couple of years ago was great. And I think they are really doing a great job, both the uh, government and the private sector space programs, of getting people to pay attention again. But Starman is floating out in oh, space yeah. right now. Yeah, David Bowie soundtrack Gotta and all. And, and I think uh, the, Elon Musk's Instagram feed has pictures of the car where you just see the, the mannequin in the car and you can see the cherry red car <laughs> and like the earth behind it. It's just great. I love everything about it. Yeah. But moving on to probably something you won't like. Uh-oh. Um, you know we have to do security. Of course, we week. have to. Uh, Consumer Reports took a look at web-connected smart TVs and found that some models um, may be looking right back at you. Mm-hmm. The product testing and review publication analyzed models from Samsung, LG, Sony, TCL, which makes the Roku TV, and right. Vizio, and found that all of them can track what consumers watch because everyone just clicks through Eula's anyway if it even is mentioned. And because uh, basic security protocols were not followed on two of the models, those from Samsung and TCL, Consumer Reports found those were vulnerable to hired hackers who were able to hijack the remote control to change the channels, increase the volume, install apps, and play naughty YouTube videos on the TVs. Wow. Wowzers. Yeah, so they, they kind I'm of... I'm shocked. I'm gobsmacked. Yes, that, that such a thing could happen. Yes. Um, now, as described by USA Today, which was covering Consumer Reports' report of the whole thing... Oh, okay. um, that made my brain hurt a little bit. Yeah, it's it's sort of a rewrite yeah. kind of thing. Gotcha. But um, Consumer Reports, uh, in their test, hacked into the TCL Roku TV by using a feature Roku created. I guess it allows for remote control access of the Roku, the software on the TV. Mm-hmm. And you can, how you, how you can use your iPhone yeah. uh, as a remote. Yeah. So the the weak spot here that um, for users who have this TV, if a phone owner whose TV is on the same household Wi-Fi network for whatever reason, say it's a roommate thing or whatever, clicks on a malicious link, that could allow the hacker into the whole network and therefore into the TV. Wow. So yeah, a little something to think about there. Um, See, this is why I've said it before and I will continue to say it. I want all my home appliances to be dumb as bricks. Mm -hmm. I don't want a smart TV I want a stupid TV. Uh-huh. I want a dumb as bricks TV. That's what I want. Just sit there and turn on a Dumb turn as a bag of rocks. That's how dumb I want my television. Uh-huh. Okay? All right. Well, I'm, I, hopefully we'll still be able to buy those. <laughs> <laughs> they better. They better yeah. keep making them. Yeah. It's like, I want my dumb TV. Dumb TV. Is I want my dumb TV. Yeah, there Ooh, we go. I, I like yeah, that. I think you've got a whole, whole marketing campaign yes. there. So that's the hacking part, and that okay. was just the two models that they found, these these weak that, spots. That didn't uh, freak me out that much. Yeah, as for the data collection on what you're watching, remember it was just maybe about a year ago we were talking about on this very show that mm. Vizio had to pony up $2.2 million to settle claims from the Federal Trade Commission yep. and the Office of the New Jersey Attorney General because they were collecting viewing data without consumers' consent. Um, and then uh, all that information along with the demographics of the people, sex, age, income, marital status, home ownership 
they were kind of packing that up and selling it to third parties oh, who were lovely. using it for targeted advertising. Oh, you scamps, Vizio. Yeah, so so that was just a year ago, and now Ooh. we're seeing that you know people are still scooping up uh, information. I mean, if you buy the smart TV, maybe you just t- you don't care because you want the TV to be connected with the web. Maybe people don't really realize when you get a smart TV what you are giving back. Yes. Um, but uh, a word of warning. I'm not freaked out about this. No, no, because you, you, sir, have your, your really stupid TV. I sir. have my really dumb TV. Yes, but on the topic of YouTube, though, the Wall Street Journal took a look at YouTube's video recommendation algorithm, you know, that thing that always wants to suggest videos mm-hmm, for you there. Mm-hmm. And the Wall Street Journal was not impressed when the service kept serving up conspiracy-mongering clips and other, quote, divisive, misleading, or false content, end quote. Oh, so they're like, hmm, why is it suggesting these things? Um, YouTube's explanation for this behavior uh, was that its content recommendation code doesn't purposely seek out garbage video, but it looks for clips that are already pulling in high traffic numbers and keeping users on the site. YouTube says its recommendation system drives more than 70% of total viewing time on the YouTube site. And they uh, gave a quote back to the journal that said, we recognize this is our responsibility and we have more to do. I'm thinking there, how many of those clips probably got their high initial viewership from bots who were maybe just, you know, playing them to try to drive up the numbers and mess up the algorithms? Who knows? We've seen some of this behavior before. My YouTube video recommendations are always bad 80s songs. Really? Always. Was this based on things you previously watched? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, I, I get the banjo music and show tunes. I, I, I actually made the mistake of clicking on The Final Countdown by Europe. Oh, Yep, and uh, because somebody was asking about bad hair metal, so I clicked it, and now all I get are bad hair metal videos mm. recommended to me. Yeah, do you ha- can awful. you skew the algorithm and just start watching completely I'm random trying. stuff that will blank that I'm out? I'm desperately trying, but apparently like find some otter videos or apparently something. Apparently, Europe is you know uh, apparently they're very uh, sticky. Uh huh. You know, their hair was huge, by the way. Yeah, it's, well, this was especially back in the 80s before the whole ozone concept kicked <laughs> in and the Aquanet was just floating in the breeze. The Aquanet was flying free. Yeah. Now I think there's, uh, there, there's a few holes over certain parts of the world uh, where, where the, the South. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, they, and you can say that. I can say that. Yes, and right. and it, it's, it's a, you know. In Jersey too, by the way. The higher the hair, the closer to God. There you know? you, that's right. Um, that's right. So, like um, that. but yeah. How did we get on internet? I, uh, I, I lost the thread. It was the hair metal thing. There we go. All right, well, let's circle back. Okay, uh, we'll circle The U.S. Back. Department of Justice recently charged 36 people for their alleged roles in the Infraud Organization, which mm-hmm. sounds like a supervillain company. It does. It does sound like Infraud Organization. Uh, in reality, it's an internet-based cyber criminal enterprise engaged in the large-scale acquisition sale and dissemination of stolen identities. You see, it's LexCorp. Proper, yeah, yeah, yeah. and also uh, they throw in a little compromised debit and credit cards, personal identifiable information, financial and banking information, mixing in with some computer malware and go. other contraband. Nice. And all of this toxic brew allegedly caused more than $530 million in financial losses to its victims, which were individuals wow. and corporations. That's a lot of victims. Yeah, that's uh, that's that's kind of a big, that is a massive corporation there. Yeah. So the Department of Justice was like, yeah, we're going to bust yeah, you for that. Okay. Uh, and the indictment and subsequent arrests note uh, that this is one of the largest cyber fraud enterprise prosecutions ever undertaken by the U.S. Department of Justice. Wow. You go, boys. Yes. Yeah, so uh, where they target there. Now, as they some- take down LexCorp. Mm-hmm. By the way, if you hear bandsaws and all sorts of stuff, folks, while you're listening, that's because we're. We're uh, apparently we're expanding. Yes. Pop Tech Jam uh, HQ. Yes, we're here. building on a new wing. Yeah, we're building on a 
new wing. We're expanding. Yes. So if you hear of a deep manly men bellowing in the background and, you know, bandsaws and hammering and stuff, you know, just ignore it. Yeah, they're just building that big walk-in closet for your shoe collection That's in my right. mandolin. So. That's right. Now, as some have noted, Instagram does not have a regram button so that people, uh, you know, are kind of forced to make their own original posts. You can't yeah, no. just sit there and, and no. redo other Or you got to get a third-party app and, you know, yeah. hope it doesn't scam the heck out of you. Yeah, yeah, which has happened before. Oh, yes. But Instagram is testing an option that lets you share public feed posts uh, from other users to your Instagram story. Wow. You know, the bigger uh, thing. To the story, right? Yes, to the story, not not just Which straight up. Do. Now, as reported by TechCrunch, this could let you add commentary and overlaid stickers to a meme, celebrity post, or even a friend's photo. And for those concerned with privacy uh, who don't want their posts to be regrammed or grouped into somebody else's uh, mm -hmm. story... Users with public accounts can go to their settings and turn off the ability for others to reshare their posts. Oh, so this you. is a thing that's in the testing. They're trying to keep new features coming in. The stock market has had a yo-yo ride the past week or so, but shares of Snap were up 35% last Wednesday. Oh, Snap. Yes, the Snap and Snap shares is due to the company's report of user growth. Uh, I guess the first user growth since it went public last year. Possibly spurred by a redesigned user experience, and uh, I, I was not aware of this because I don't use it on Android, but the iOS version of the Snapchat app had a reputation for working better than its Android compatriot. But uh, Snap said it fixed those problems and Android users were sticking around longer, so that also kept people on the site and maybe held the advertising bit there. You know what I realized this week when the stock market went absolutely bat guano crazy? That your 401k just went south? Yeah, well, that, that too. Yeah. You know what the second thing I realized? Yes. Really, the stock market is sort of like playing numbers in the old neighborhood. Like mm -hmm. you go down to the bookie and you, you know, you, hey, uh, I want to put fifty dollars on three seven nine. It's mm. the same idea. Uh huh. You're just throwing money out there and hoping you make some money back. Mm -hmm. You know, like I said on Twitter to Lisa, hey Lisa, remember what I said? I'm burying my money in the backyard. None yes. of the stock market. The bank stuff. of Kaiser. That's right. Did you make any money back in the day in the numbers? No. Definitely not. All right. So you learned your lesson. I, yeah. Well, my mom used to play. I actually was the, the toe-headed little freak that would carry a little bag of money to the bookie. Uh -huh. Like, hey, my mom sends you this. I had no idea what I was doing. Mm -hmm. No idea what I was doing. Well, I hope you got a delicious chocolate bar or something for your Yeah, because it was a candy store. Yeah. Yeah. I, I must have told the story before. No, no. I was just guessing. But I I'm, used I'm... to. Yo, I, they, they used to hook me up. All right. I'm glad there was something in it for yes, you. There you know. always was. Yes. Now, uh, all right. So, so maybe Snapple, will, uh, they're, they're doing good there. Maybe they'll keep getting better. Or give me chocolate. Yes, or give me chocolate. Now, if you like Microsoft's Cortana Assistant better than Apple's Siri, be sure to snag the most recent update of iOS Cortana for iPad. Mm. I think I had blanked that there was a version of Cortana. But, you know, Google Assistant, you get that on iOS, too. All of these assistants are kind of jumping off their own platforms and going to other devices. All right. So hold on a second. This is Cortana for iPhone. An iPad? Well, this is the one specifically for iPad. They Just had for one iPad. for iPhone, but the uh, thing that they did here is uh, they sort of realized that, well, the iPad version doesn't look very good because okay. it can't really deal with the screen size, so they redid it to make it native to the iPad screen. Ah, okay. So they boosted that and uh, made it happen. So you can actually see the cards and it displays the, the way it does on the iPhone version. So, gotcha. so they're trying to get people, and I don't know how much good it does you unless you're just like talking to Cortana. Man, Siri, Siri must be really upset. What happens when the phone's off? Is, is she is she there a punch up with Cortana yeah, and Siri, exactly. and it's like Google Assistant just egging them on? Or <laughs> you know what she said about you? <laughs> it's like, oh no, boom, boom. Yeah, and then you wonder why your phone's battery's dead. Are you gonna take that? <laughs> mm hmm. I think we could have a whole like radio drama. <laughs> yes, just we of, can. Uh, software assistants yes. uh, throwing down. Yes. 
Now, speaking of Apple, though, the company has responded to the letter sent by Senator John Thune about that whole iPhone throttling thing uh-huh. you know, last year. That little pesky little yes. thing. Yes. Now, in the letter, Apple confirmed that the controversial power management feature at the heart of the issue was indeed released to phones in January. Um, however, the fruit-themed toy maker also admitted that it did not publicly acknowledge the change until a month later on February 23rd, 2017. So, kind of did this stuff last year, didn't really tell anybody, then said, oh, by the way, we had this power management feature, so... It did it and then kind of backtracked, put the explanation in a month later. In its response uh, to, to the senator, too, the company also said that all iPhones have basic performance management features that are necessary for safety and to protect the phone's components. All iPhones, does that mean, I guess, in theory, that like the new ones have it, too? And so, so maybe this wasn't specifically targeting the old ones? Yeah. And are they insinuating that the phone might blow up if this stuff isn't uh, on there? I don't know what the, the little hint kinda was. Like, yeah, that's kind of like, uh, you yeah, know. Yeah, don't step there. Yeah. Yeah. That's a little uh, creepy. But uh, it also said that uh, it is exploring the possibility of giving money back to customers who paid the full $79 to get the battery replaced. Exploring. Exploring, yeah. We're we're talking about (laughs) it. We're talking about it. Hey, should we do this? Nah. Okay. (laughs) We explored it. Yes, we're exploring. Yeah. Once they realized that replacing the battery did help the situation, a lot of people went for it for the $79 before Apple dropped the price to the Mia Culpa $29 and before they ran out of all the batteries and people were waitlisted to, to get them. There's like well, a there is a huge line. Like if you, uh, some people have, have said that they've gone there and you have to make a special appointment just for the battery. And then they've said on their site that they're, they were really low on, I think it was iPhone 6S batteries. Like they were out of stock for a while. So even though you knew this was an issue, you could not get the part, which I think probably sent people to third-party uh, fixes or doing it themselves. Man, they just shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, it's not they say, really... They're like, you know, like, bam, right on the foot. Yeah, I, I think they, once they had to admit what was happening, they didn't have the inventory ready to deal with the problem. Wow. Now, Google is, uh, I guess we haven't talked about the big G. No, we haven't. Much yet. Uh, they're reportedly planning a subscription-based game streaming service that might even involve Google-branded gaming console hardware. You know how they do that, you know, made by Google thing for their phones and stuff that they maybe they're doing a little console, you know, we don't know. Uh, the, the Google blogs have been reporting that the system is codenamed Yeti and like Sony's PlayStation Now or NVIDIA's GeForce Now, uh, subscribers would be able to stream games from cloud servers uh, through this aforementioned possible Google made console. I'm going to make you a binky bet right now. Vapor? Yeah. <laughs> Vapor. Vapor. If it comes out, it'll be gone in less than a year. It sounds be, you know Im- what? We did this once before. Let's bet a pizza. All right. We'll bet a pizza. We're going to bet a pizza. All right. So you're mm-hmm. betting that it's, it comes out, it flops, and it disappears. Exactly. And, and I'll say, well, maybe it'll stick around and they'll end up doing kids' games. I mean, do people game on the Apple TV? There, there was uh, a, big... a bit. My kid plays, my son specifically likes to play racing games on there, but I think it's because, I mean, if I put a racing game on any platform, yeah, he'll just go want to play. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I, I don't use a lot of the apps aside from the streaming channel. So they do have like Pocket Penguins, which is a camera that's uh, focused on the penguin cage out uh, uh, in California. Nice. Uh, usually the penguins are just standing around like smoking, but you know, it's like, <laughs> it's it's soothing. I use Netflix, Amazon Prime, which is now on the yeah. the, uh, the, the Apple TV and Flex and Plex. Plex, okay. So Plex to stream stuff from my So my you network. have your hardcore. I have the CBS All Access just for Star Trek. Yes, myself, so. yes indeed. But so, you you get the paid version. Yeah. 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 So so I deal with the commercials. Yes, you well, you're a patient fellow. I am. Yes. So we'll see if Google does kind of pop this out. Um, no word on when it might surface, which probably tips the, the bet in your favor there. 
Uh, in security news, though, Google's blog has an update on its vulnerability reward program for 2017. Oh, yeah, that's right. The company awarded researchers more than $1 million for vulnerabilities they found and reported in Google products. Wow. And also around a million bucks in bug bounties for Android. They do the same thing for Chrome. I mm -hmm. guess they've awarded nearly $3 million to researchers who have found things just with little bits of hacking and, and it's white hat stuff. So they get money and Google gets to have more secure products. We'll post a link to the report there if you want to see some of the things that the researchers found. That's pretty smart business. Yeah. That's good business. Apparently it's, it's catching a lot of stuff here. And finally, and finally, we here at PopTech Jam extend our sympathies to the friends and family of John Perry Barlow, who passed away last week. Uh, Barlow was a co-founder of the Electronic Frontier Foundation. He was also a poet, a lyricist for the Grateful Dead, and a fighter for a free and open internet. As a spokesman for the EFF noted, Barlow was a cyber pioneer who saw the internet as a fundamental place of freedom where voices long silence can find an audience and people can connect with each other regardless of physical distance. Barlow knew technology could create and empower evil just as much as it could create and empower good, uh, mm -hmm. but he chose to kind of hope for the best and say, you know, people will find the light and it'll be good. I mean, some days right. you got to wonder, you know, who's winning, but... He went the Barry Allen way. Yeah, yeah, he, he went the Barry Allen way. He I don't know how active he was on Twitter. <laughs> maybe that colored his yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe. perception, just, just but... Um, but he was a uh, fierce proponent of free internet and getting the knowledge out there to the people and giving them resources. So thank you, Mr. Barlow. Raising a glass. Raising a glass. Salute. Rest in peace, sir. Yes. For links to all these news stories and everything else we talked about uh, on the show today, you can find a page of links at poptickjam.com. Up next, we're going to talk about accessible video. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we were talking Netflix and yes. how to get uh, other languages and things on there. Yep. Somebody mentioned to me that uh, they were very thankful for that segment. Oh, I'm, I'm glad to hear it yes. uh, helped somebody. I kind of got poking around and, and Netflix and some of the other streaming services actually have other features for people who don't want to watch everything just in straight up English with the mm -hmm. volume on. Mm -hmm. They've actually a number of accessibility features built into both the services and the devices you can watch them on. I think we tell. Well, we've talked in the past about the closed captioning that you can yes. get for the people with hearing yep. impairments or deafness where you can have subtitles on there and that's great. The topic of video for the blind actually came up recently, which you think, well, I guess they can hear the dialogue. But if you if you stop and realize so much of Today's TV, especially peak TV, is visual with these sort of gorgeous setups yeah, and the yeah, way yeah, scenes yeah. are put together. And maybe you don't get the whole story just from dialogue, if, you know, because you have to be able to sort of get a sense of the room and see right, what's in and right, what the character's right. wearing. And so there's always a beautiful panning shot and yeah. you know, or a tracking shot. So, yeah, yeah. So to help people who cannot see this stuff physically, uh, there's been this sort of huge uptick in services who are adding audio descriptions. Two videos, which basically means they're dropping in a third-party narrator who will describe a little bit of the scene as discreetly as possible without stepping on the dialogue, but sort of give an audio version of what's happening on the screen, and then the dialogue will cut in, and you can hear the characters talk. And most of them are sort of like the pleasing, like NPR voice, you know, it's like, the sun comes up over the horizon and, and whatever. But and So it's more like an audio book then at Yeah, it's kind of like an audio book. Ah, it's got the that. soundtrack and the dialogue from the movie or TV show that's on the screen. Mm -hmm. But they have to be added, I guess, separately uh, when the, the video is produced. And so for people who are looking for these sorts of things, 
The American Council of the Blind has a really great list on their website, and it's uh, accessible to screen readers. So you say, oh, you know, tell the person to go look on the web. Right. It's like the screeners can actually read all of the links and all that, and they are programmed to uh, read the web as sort of an audio experience itself. Right. So, yep. so I've actually I've actually seen that. It's uh, quite well laid out, and they have an entire page of just all the streaming services out there that either provide a bunch of audio descriptive uh, features or aren't doing it at all. In fact, there's been a lawsuit against Hulu for not having accessibility features. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah, a coalition of uh, groups uh, went after Hulu for violating the Americans with Disability Act, and I think the case is still uh, in the courts. But It seems silly to me from a business standpoint. I mean, I, I know this sounds a little crass, but these people would love to pay for your service. Why yeah. are you like pushing them away? It makes no sense. Yeah, and I don't think it's all that much to sort of no. go in and lay these tracks down, or you have a third-party company do it right, for you. Right, of course. But uh, the American Council of the Blind has this great list, and the top three that they had were Netflix, which I guess has about 500 audio-described TV series, documentaries, children's shows. 500? Wow. Uh, yeah, and uh, I think it's like 500 shows but that, or series, but then episodes within that, so maybe you get up to 700 that way. Um, most of their original productions have audio descriptions, House of Cards, Orange is the New Black, all the stuff that they're sort of producing in-house, I think they're just baking this stuff into nice. the service. Golf clap for Netflix. Yeah, and Netflix has its own list of accessible videos, but you have to be a member already if mm-hmm. you're looking around thinking to join but don't want to go through all the, the trial thing. Right. The American Council of the Blind has its own list on the page, and they update it pretty much every couple of weeks. So we'll have um, a link to that for anyone who wants to see what Netflix has. Other options out there, Amazon Prime Video, which you talked about earlier mm-hmm. in the show. They've got about 350 movies and TV shows with the audio descriptions, including uh, The Marvelous Mrs. Mizell that just won the uh, Golden Globe. The Golden Globe, yeah. Yeah. And a number of theatrical films have also had the, the audio description treatment, so that's out there as a possibility. Um, iTunes, which is not technically a streaming service because it's more rental or download. True. They've got a time. I think they've got about 600. Because uh, wow. Apple has been really into accessibility for a long time yes, they have. with that its Mac true. products. So iTunes is another source. And you then, go, Apple. of all of the, the TV channel apps, I know we talked about CBS before too. They're, they're not so much with this yet, but Watch ABC mm. does a lot. Yes. And they, I think, won an award for like being the best TV channel with the most uh, audio descriptions. So, wow. so if you want to watch ABC shows, check out the Watch ABC app. So, so a lot of stuff out there. If you want to kind of get an idea of what audio description sounds like, uh, go on YouTube. There are several examples of audio described scenes from movies like The Lion King. There's one out there where you actually hear it in action. And you can just sort of close your eyes and hear what someone who couldn't see would would experience the movie. And it's pretty uh, involving. So uh, we will have a link to uh, an item about where to find all of these audio described videos. And also some links to how to get to the accessibility features in your major operating systems. Your Windows, your Mac, your Android, your iOS. Uh, Just for anyone out there who needs them or knows someone who needs them or wants to share, check out our show page at PopTechJam.com. That's about it for this week, isn't yes, it? Yes, that's it. We're we, done. We kind of rambled on. That's all right. You know. Every once in a while, it's good to ramble. Yeah, we're just out there floating around like a red fun. car in space, you know? <laughs> I love everything about that. I just love it. Yes. We have to thank the bros. Thank you, bros. Thank you, bros. Builtbybros.com. Build something with the bros. If you think it, they'll build it. Yes, the bros are our Falcon Heavy Rocket that get yes, us in space are. every week. They yeah, are. Nicely done. Thank you. And thank you very much, listeners, yes, for uh, listening. Yes. <laughs> for being there for us. Yes, thank you. 
Yes. After all these years. Yes. Uh, we hope everyone is having a decent week and uh, is ready for, uh, I guess, uh, Mardi Gras coming up, right? Mardi Gras. Yeah. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Fat Tuesday. You know, you got to have fun with that. So um, so until next week when we're back with more, I'm J.D. Beersdorfer. And I'm Pedro Rafael Rosado. Ça le bon ton King cake? Does that mean king cake? Yes. A sliding advertising panel on a city bus stop changes its display to the logo for Bus Stop Films, inclusive filmmaking. A man holding a briefcase inhales deeply. The interviewer. Lift doors open and the man, who's in his 30s, straightens his grey tie and steps out into a sleek reception area. There's a woman sitting at a desk adorned with an expensive floral arrangement and she looks up and smiles. Hi, Thomas Howe. I'm here for the interview with Mr Dexter. Yeah, sure thing. Just take a seat and he'll be out in a minute. Thomas sits on an armchair in the nearby waiting area and glances out the window for a moment before taking a folder from his briefcase. Another young man in a suit is sitting opposite him, toying with an MP3 player.